I started a business because I loved baking. Well, sis, let me tell you something. You're going to be baking like 15% of the time, maybe, right? And right. I would highly advise you outsource that position because that could be done by anybody. Right. So if you're looking to start a business based on something that you love, this whole entire podcast today is to kind of enlighten you to see that it's usually the things that you don't love, that right. you will have to eventually fall in love with learning or it will be the detriment of your business. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. Welcome, welcome back. And uh, we've got a fun episode in store for you. And before we get in, <laughs> right before we hit record, Eddie said, do you have a what in the world? What in the world? And I can't really think. I feel like we have what in the worlds all the time. Yeah. Um, but here's but they, the, but they involve other people right. that probably don't want to be outed. So here's the honest to God <laughs> truth. We have so much to share and talk about, but we just don't know if we can talk about you guys. Like, because some people, you know, maybe people we work with, some people are family members, and we really want to talk about these amazing things because we know that they would also bring joy and laughter and lots of key learnings to your life, but we just don't know what the rule is for outing people. Yeah. So, I mean, do we tell the stories without um, saying any names? Like kind of change the change identities the of yeah. the people to, to protect them? To protect the innocent. Okay. So here's my what in the world then. I just want to know, have you ever been told a story that you thought was pretty funny, right? Yeah. You laughed and it was fine. And then you retell the story to someone, but they take it to a whole nother level. So that's my husband. The other night I told him a story and he took it to like level 29. It was maybe a level, it was probably a level, a strong level 10 story. He yeah. took it to level 29, maybe even 37. <laughs> and we laughed so hard. Jordan actually said yesterday, she goes, what the hell were you guys <laughs> laughing about the other night? You were like children in your room and I was trying to sleep and I go, your dad had me in tears. I couldn't stop crying. My pillowcase was soaked. And I, you, well, let me just give you, can I give you my perspective? <laughs> Have you ever been told a story and the person tells you kind of in a casual way. Nonchalant you way. You just think it's the absolutely most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your life. And you think everyone involved should go to hell. Like everyone involved should be completely hell bound because it is so freaking outrageous. Okay. That's what happened to me the other night. Okay. Tell the people what Here's happened. Here's the story. Um, changing names. <laughs> I'm not even going to use any names, but the gist of the story is somebody that we know. <laughs> somebody out there. Somebody that we know who we are blood related to. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> was pissed off at some point in their life and yeah. they took it upon themselves to seek revenge in the form of shitting in someone's pillowcase oh my no that's not just the, that's not the end of it that's so that's it. what i thought it was i thought it was oh that's horrible like you know they leave it on the floor no, no they stuffed the pillow back in there no i don't think they, the person. pillow was ever removed oh, I, <laughs> I thought i thought so no it's just like i'm just telling you right now if anybody shits in my <laughs> pillowcase, uh, I don't own a weapon, but I'm buying a weapon and I'm taking back my dignity <laughs> immediately. Wait, but you slept on it yeah. also. Is this <laughs> 
So people, I just want to let you know. I can't stop crying. Shut up. <laughs> so one, you're going to hell. Like, I, I don't cast hell bombs on people. I don't send people to hell. It's not my job to do that. Oh, but I'm pretty sure if you take a poop or if you shit in my pillowcase or anyone's pillowcase, uh, you go directly to hell. Uh, whatever that is for you, no matter what you believe, uh, I don't care. Oh, it, you're hell bound and... If it happens to me, I'm telling you, I'm taking action. <laughs> I'm just oh, so this poor person who was a victim of a shit bomb in their <laughs> pillowcase. But the person did something to warrant. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. There's not oh, many things God. that a person can do to me that makes me say, huh, I got I an deserve idea. that. <laughs> yeah, I got an idea. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make them pay. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's nothing that I, I, I But never think wanna... of all the context. Like, in order for the person to have access to your bedroom or your pillow, you got to know. This would have to be somebody that you know, right? Right. And you also have to think to yourself, I'm going to invite people in my house that in no possible way would they ever shit in my pillowcase. <laughs> so, the, yes, they're welcome. Like, you probably know people in your life that you go, okay, that person is probably capable of doing something awful, something mm-hmm. really awful. I'm not going to invite them to my you know, gathering, <laughs> right? But that is not but the it's case. the sneaky ones you have to be careful of. <laughs> yeah, so... So my question is, is do you know someone that is capable of shitting in our pillowcases? I just told you that we were related to this person. So yes, I know somebody. Did we do anything (laughs) to this person that would warrant that? Because if that's the case, then we need to reconsider all types of connections. Well, the funny thing is, is I'm not really sure if this person's going to be listening. So I guess it's a free for all, right? So now everybody knows like how jacked up our family is. And, you know, that's my what in the world for yeah. this week's episode. And so I think the lesson is, is anytime you have people over your house, uh, lock your bedroom door mm-hmm. uh, and then make sure you check your pillowcases before you go to bed, <laughs> because that is a rude awakening. I mean, I just want to know, like, did you smell it like uh, when you were sleeping okay, in the evening? Like we went on and on, you guys, and Eddie took it to level 39 for sure. <laughs> Oh my God. And I could not stop laughing because <laughs> Eddie has the most ridiculous laugh and it just, oh God, it just keeps going and going. <laughs> I think the the way you told me was so nonchalant that made it even more funny because it was like, oh and yeah. And that's why I was sitting there crying because I was like, this story was not that funny when it was told to me and it was not that funny when I told it to you and you made it a whole oh nother thing. Okay. But, okay. So that is a what in the world for uh, a that is like a decade word right there. I'll, so you're going to have to top that. that on the next episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So getting into this week's episode. <laughs> this week's episode, I wanted to talk to you about the whole premise in us starting this podcast was to be very conversational, very much like if we were to have a barbecue with family members, not that particular person we just talked to you about, but family members, you know, everyone's kind of hanging around different ages, different races, everything, but you can have great conversations that hopefully inspire you, yeah, right? absolutely. And so we wanted, well, you, you're going you're gonna to have to get yourself together, I'm, sir. I'm gathering myself right now. All right. So I was at a family function yesterday. We were celebrating. <laughs> Would you stop? Okay. I was just making sure. All right. Woo. Okay, people. I was at a family function yesterday and we were celebrating my brother Jonathan's birthday. Shout out to you, Jonathan. And some of his friends were there that have grown up in the neighborhood, the local, you know, the local houses around us. And so I've seen these kids grow up since they were five. And now they're like hitting 30 in some cases, right? That's crazy. So one of the guys comes over and he's like, hey, they call me Nelly. I just got to tell you, I hate it, (laughs) but it's a nickname that my family, some of my family calls me. Right. Uh, This was before the other Nelly came out. I've been Nelly since like three, I don't know, probably since birth. So anyways, this friend says, and he starts talking to me about business, like, hey, you know, how's the bakery doing this? And I said, well, ironically, I'm about to announce on my podcast and to the world that I'm getting ready to sell the bakery. 
And he was like, what? Oh, man, that's crazy. What are you going to do? I heard you started another business. Like, tell me about it. So I told him we were coaching and consulting and I wanted to help other people, you know, start small businesses that they could be proud of and then run them for a decade and then move on to something new. Right. 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 And so um, he was just really intrigued. And then he was like, yeah, I want to start a business, too, because this whole nine to five thing is just not working out for me. Yeah. And I thought, I said, I literally said, well, bro, nobody wants a nine to five. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I know, but it's just not my thing. And I said, I just started thinking to myself, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go out on a limb here and say if I were to take a poll, 99.5% of the world would say, yeah, I don't really want a nine to five. It would be mm-hmm. great to not work. It would be great to have money. Yeah, and just It'd be become- great to <laughs> yeah. have a business. It'd be great to do anything else other than go to work, right? right? So most people don't want a 9 to 5. Yeah, and I think that when you when people say that, I think it's it almost sounds kind of cliché. Oh, this, you know, the 9 to 5 thing is not for me just because of the fact that you're right. Like many people would rather have more control over their time, be able to spend time doing whatever they want, vacationing constantly. Uh, and when you think about nine to five and being obligated to go somewhere, it, it may not sound very attractive. It definitely sounds, sounds more attractive to dream big and say, I want to have this wonderful business that I you know, have full control over. But, but how far an, does that go? Right. But I saw an article recently that said something. They took a poll like the average American, 78 percent of Americans don't like their jobs. Mm. Like they don't want to go to work. So I think it's fair to say that most people would like to avoid a nine to five. Right. <laughs> yeah. OK. So then I said, so, OK, well, I mean, what do you want to do? And he said, oh, I want to I would want to start a business. And I said, okay, that's cool. What kind of business? Like, what are your passions? What are you into? He's like, I'm not really sure, but I really like um, basically like barbering, right? Like I like hair for men. And I like, I I would like to build a business that would allow people to come and get like a manicure, a pedicure, a shave, get a fade. And then maybe the women could come too and get their hair done braids, whatever. And then just, it's like a one-stop shop. And I said, okay, well, you know, what do you know about the industry? Cause that sounds like cosmetology. Right. And he's like, well, I want them to get a massage too, like a facial. I said, okay, that's more like spa, spa Mm -hmm. industry. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest like you start researching that. Like that sounds like maybe you'd want to get into, I said, spend some money and look on the internet and see where there are some spa conventions or conferences or um, maybe some cosmetology conferences. There's always trade shows. And I think that these industries need to be industries that if this is something you want to pursue, you need to learn a lot about, right? right? So that's where I would say start there. Yeah. And what was his response? He was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Right. And if you say, and not to say that you're going to doubt this person, but would you say they're going to go out and do that? I don't know. Right. right? And so what I saw, though, what I caught myself doing was I remembered the first time that I had told somebody, oh, I'm going to open a bakery. Right, right. And I remember looking in hindsight how ridiculous it sounded to this person because I didn't know anything about owning a bakery. I had never worked in a food industry. I didn't know anything about mass production of cakes, like anything like that. So this woman recommended, she said, well, I recommend, you know, well, she asked me, why do you want to open a bakery? I said, I mean, have you seen my work? I'm really good. Mm -hmm. We were already in the motions at this point, right? But she said, you might want to read this book. It's called The Mm E-Myth. And so I said, okay, well, I got the vibe from her that she didn't really think I was going to do it. But can I just, I think want to just backtrack a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? You're talking to someone about opening up a bakery and you're already in it. Like you are already no. in. Okay. So uh, the girls were four, six, and eight. Right. Uh, they were in gymnastics. We had just lost our jobs. Yeah. We had just kind of started doing research for the bakery. We had a couple of cake orders under our belts. You know, we had named mm-hmm. the business, registered it, trademarked it. But did I know everything I needed to know? No. Not necessarily, right? Right. But I remember this woman at the gymnastics studio. I was in conversation talking to her. I can't remember her name. And she meant well. She right. was a professional working woman who, you know, did well for herself or for herself. 
And she said, I recommend you get this book before you make any big decisions. And I thought, well, she doesn't even know I'm already in the works, you know, of making all these decisions. The ball's already rolling. But what I'm trying to say is I remember how she made me feel, which wasn't like, oh, you'll never do it. It was just like, you might not know everything you need to know before you hop in and commit to this. Maybe you should read read this book and educate yourself a little. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And some people, I think, oh, I I 1000% appreciated her transparency. Yeah. And I'm the type of person that if I sense somebody's hesitation or sense that you think I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know enough about it, I'm going to listen to you if you're a credible person. If you're just being a crappy person, that's one thing. But I trusted what she said and I knew that it came from a good place, right? right? So what did I do? I went on and bought the book. Yeah. And the book did change my perspective on business. The principle of the e-myth is basically saying that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you'll make a good business owner doing that thing. It means you're a good technician at whatever that is, right? So if you're a good barber, you might just be a good barber. That doesn't mean that you'll know how to handle the day-to-day logistics or standard operating procedures or Um, possess the leadership skills and qualities that a good leader needs to possess in order to lead another team of barbers, right? Yeah. And I think that that's where people get stuck and they 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 get trapped into the dream world of, oh, I would love to do this. And that that would be so great is because there's a very big difference between, hey, dreaming something in your head in the perfect scenario and then actually being in that industry and immersing yourself in it and knowing the ins and outs and knowing what may be required from you mm-hmm. in order to do this work, it's very, very different. And then the key thing also is, is that even if you're in that industry, even if you are already doing that work, because you're good at it doesn't mean you're going to be a good business owner and entrepreneur. Absolutely. And I think right now in 2020, you know, entrepreneurship is so romanticized. It's so sexy. Yeah, and so like, you know, everything you see is about being your own business owner and that is great. However, like that comes at a huge cost mm-hmm. and I think that that is where people really get stuck. And I could tell you that I would probably say that 90 7% of people that I talk to that tell me they want to do something, especially something audacious, mm-hmm. they like never- starting a business. They ne- yeah. And let's just say, if I have the opportunity, if it's something that I can understand and I give them some suggestions, 97% of the time, they don't even take one thing and run with it. Mm-hmm. Like they don't do, and like, and they may be in like infant stages of like just, just dreaming it, mm-hmm. but they never make it a plan or a target because- it actually feels better just to dream. Mm. Sometimes there's a bit of satisfaction that happens by just talking about it. Right. And then what happens is they're so satisfied and they're so pacified by the fact that they talked about it to someone else that they never even act on it because they already got the feeling that the that the accomplished may even feel like. Or, it kind of goes back to when we were when we talked to our students about the lemon, mm-hmm. right? If you visualize having a lemon, if you close your eyes and all those kind of stuff, your mind and your body starts to respond to as if the lemon was there, you start to pucker up, you start to feel like the feeling of sour. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens sometimes when people have dreams. So every time someone talks to me, I go, I wonder if this feels better than actually doing the work to try to accomplish it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge thing. And I, I have seen many people in conversation talk about like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start this business. I've got this cool business idea. And sometimes you can tell like maybe you're just doing this because you think that this is the conversation that I want to have yeah. because I have a business, right? Maybe you actually do want to start this business, but do you have what's required to actually move forward with the dream? Right. And maybe it's just like you said, just to kind of hear yourself talk, right? So I'm not really sure where this particular person was coming from, but I'm going to assume that this is a dream that you want to bring to life. And so it's not really my decision or my opinion. Uh, I shouldn't use my opinion to sway you one way or the other, but I can share some perspectives, right? Right. So I said, well, I really think that the first thing you need to do is you need to learn about the industry. Mm -hmm. So that sounds to me like it's cosmetology. It sounds to me like you um, might want to go to some some conferences or seminars or something to learn a little bit more about cosmetology. And then also the spa industry. I said, I have some friends and family that have been real deep in the spa industry and it's a whole world, you know? 
So there's a couple things I would do. I would go there. I would learn about the industry. And then I would say you also have to be a consumer of these products. Like you've yeah, got to go. You have to deeply immerse yourself right. in something that you want to make a business. Right. So you've got to go to some high-end spas and experience what this feels like and see how you're going to bring something new and different to the marketplace, right? Yeah. You've got to know who your competitors are. You've got to know who else has started a business that maybe has a similar business model. If one doesn't exist, why? Mm -hmm. Maybe men and women don't want to go to the same hairstylist or the same barber like in the same umbrella, right? Yeah. It's a very different experience when guys go to a barber shop versus when women go get their hair done, mm -hmm. right? I know the place I go, she likes to serve champagne and like it's just a different upscale experience. Right. I don't know that I want to hear a bunch of guys having barbershop conversations while I'm getting a facial or preparing to get a massage or something. Right. I don't know if I want a guy in my steam room or whatever the, the vision is, right? right? You see what I'm saying? So I said, you've got to completely immerse yourself in both of these industries. The other thing is, is, you know, you've got to figure out what sort of training might I need for this? Do I need to get my cosmetology license? If so, I know that takes a long time. Start right. now. Yeah. Right. You're working part time. You're not really sure what you want to do. You have this dream. Start working in that industry now. Yeah. And that that I think is where people stop. <laughs> well, yeah, because it costs you something. Right. Because you're thinking, oh, that wasn't that wasn't the path in which I thought this dream. It's almost like you, you, these dreams that people have for starting businesses are Instagram life dreams. They're like, oh, it's all the great things and not like getting into the, the details of, oh, well, I got to learn how to do this. I got to be an expert mm -hmm. at this. Like how on earth are you supposed to hire someone if you don't even actually know how it actually works or if they're good at what they do, right? right? Or if you haven't thought about the fact that men and women have different needs. Mm -hmm. And if you are, and I think that's a big piece too. And, and, and I want you to finish that. But I was thinking when you were saying that, I was like, if you're starting a business because you like what you do, is that the right principle or the right place to start from? Because most businesses that are successful are started because there was a need that people were trying to feel. Right. But most small businesses, I'll tell you in particular, I can speak firsthand for the baking industry. Most bakeries are started because the owner was a baker. Right. And he or she enjoyed, you know, the art of creating cakes or the art of baking or whatever it is, they started out as the technician. And that's but that's hard to scale. So because, well, this is why we have yeah. a business, which <laughs> is to mentor people that have right. a passion, but they don't have the business skills or knowledge or experience to actually create some profitability to create a sustainable business, right? Yeah, yeah. And so being the the person who's really great, if you're really great at taking pictures, amazing. Mm -hmm. If you're really great at making cakes, amazing. You're really great barber, amazing. You're a really great massage therapist, amazing. That doesn't necessarily qualify you to be an exceptional business owner of either of those things, right? Right. And this is why we have this additional business because yeah. we realized that there was a huge need in the baking industry. I had seen so many bakeries over the past 10, 11 years go out of business. And when I talked to these business owners, they were lacking the leadership skills. They were lacking the marketing ability. They were lacking knowledge when it came to sales, right? right. And so another example that I can give you is when someone goes through a massive fitness transformation, you lose a bunch of weight, you get real buff, whatever. We've seen this. It's happened to us, mm -hmm. right? Everyone wants to know how you got in shape, how you lost yeah. weight, what you did, right? So then you kind of become an expert because now you're giving out advice and then you want to obliterate your nine to five and you want to go get certified to become a personal trainer. Yeah. And now you want to help transform people's lives too because of your newfound love of fitness. Right. This happened to us, yeah. right? <laughs> then, then, At one point I wanted to just let go of everything. I just want to be sponsored <laughs> by Lululemon and Nike. And I just want to help people transform their lives. Yeah. So we did, you know, yeah. certifications, everything. Guess what? What you need to know if you want to start a business is you have to immerse yourself into the industry because you won't know really what it's about until you get into it. Especially the, the thing that you will probably be spending your time doing the most. Right. So <laughs> fitness, when it came to fitness, 
We wanted to work with people to give them transformations, right? Not only did we want to take them on a journey for fitness, but then I also started another business, which was the meal prep business, because you need to be fit, but you also need to feed your body good food. So people wanted my recipes. They wanted to know what I was eating. So I started a meal prep business, a delivery service. We serviced from San Bernard or Santa Barbara all the way to San Diego in North Southern California, had hundreds of people ordering meals, right? And what I realized about the meal industry, and then I'll go back to the fitness industry, is that people want cheap ass food. <laughs> You want filet mignon and healthy organic green vegetables because you like the idea of eating healthy, but you want like McDonald's prices. Yeah. That was super annoying to me. Absolutely. And and you want premium results Mm -hmm. on a bottom basement budget, right? Right. And so when you, which doesn't go together. So I wound up spending most of my time thinking that we were going to inspire people with food, but I wound up spending most of my time selling people on the fact that good quality premium food was important to their nutrition and their health. And I was like, fuck these people. I don't (laughs) want to sit here and tell you why you should be eating organic vegetables. I just want to know, do you want to buy it or not? Right. (laughs) So immediately I was, well, not immediately, but several months in, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what I wanted to do. I wanted to inspire people with healthy food. I wouldn't have known that had I not had that experience, Mm -hmm. right? So then back to fitness. People get into fitness. Why? Because you have experienced an amazing transformation. You got the results. People want to know. Now you're the expert. So now you do it with the best intentions to go out and help people. But guess what? People are lazy as shit. Yeah, and- and with most, in, in my experience, most personal trainers struggle at one thing that is the most important thing to be a successful personal Let's trainer. Let's say it on three together. Ready? One, one two, two, three. Sales. Sales. <laughs> they, they don't know think that it's all about fitness. It's not. It's about the psychology of understanding how can I get this person to resign, to mm-hmm. sign with me, how to market myself as yep. a trainer. And when they think that it's all about the science of working out, and as long as I'm smart, I'm going to have business. Nobody gives two shits no. about your NASM certification, right? <laughs> Nobody cares how many push-ups and all that stuff you can do. Nobody cares. What they care about is your ability to motivate them, inspire them, and teach them how to be disciplined, yeah, right? And then, but they don't even know that they need that. Right. They think that they need your knowledge and your expertise. You think that they need your knowledge and your expertise, but really what you're signing up to be, if you want to pursue a career in the fitness industry, you're signing up to be a personal motivator, mm-hmm. someone that can hold someone accountable, and someone that knows the importance of retention, yeah, because Connecting without with your freaking make- clients, you've got no one to share these talents. And there's with. no way for you to know that unless you immerse yourself in it, right? As long as and, and you fell in love with that mm-hmm. as well as fitness, right? Like the the most successful trainers that I've seen fell in love with or understood at least that they had to connect with their clients on a personal level, that mm-hmm. they had to be a a companion in a sense to their clients right. so that their clients knew that they could be counted on, that some days they didn't want to work out, they just wanted to talk. Some mm-hmm. days they needed a light workout and they needed, or some days they needed to go hard. Like you understood- Very much not about fitness. Not about fitness. It's about friendship and right. connection and retention and motivation and encouragement yeah. and support, right? And so this is not about, hey, b- being a trainer. What this is about is if you're out there right now and you're listening to this and you have big dreams of of doing anything Mm -hmm. that you think is going to be impactful on people or on the world, like you have to immerse yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to get into a place where you say, okay, I need to turn this dream into a mission. Mm -hmm. Like the difference between a dreamer and a doer, in my opinion, is that a dream, a dreamer, a doer says, well, okay, I have to do this now. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think about the week in which you started the bakery, Mm -hmm. it turned from a dream, a literal dream. Mm -hmm to a figurative dream, Mm -hmm. to actually doing that very week, Mm -hmm. right? And so then it became a target, then it became a mission to fulfill. And I think that so often it, it, for most people, even for for myself, I mean, for many years, I wanted to do so many different things. Mm -hmm. And I know what it felt like to feel like, oh, wow, it feels good to talk about this. It Mm -hmm. feels good to be, to dream. And, Mm -hmm. and then, but when you want to, 
really do it, like it's a scary thing, Mm -hmm. right? Because you know you're going to have to be doing things that you probably don't want to do or you're going to have to make sacrifices that you may not want to sacrifice. Right. Right? So you don't want to do the work. Right. Well, for me, I was just obsessed with it, right? Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with, okay, I like making the cakes. I want to serve people. So intuitively, it was my gut instinct to say, who else does this? I need to know who my competitors are. I need to know what they do. I need to know how they do it. And I need to know how I'm going to position myself to be different, right? Right. Because I know that being different in a marketplace is definitely a way to stand out, right? right? I didn't read any business books on that. That was just intuitively what I knew. Then couple it with some resistance from this woman at gymnastics who said, well, you might want to read this book. So I read the book and it taught me she's right. You know, she was absolutely right to prescribe this book to me. Just because I'm a good cake maker does not qualify me to be a good business owner. Luckily for me, I had the leadership background. I had the financial background from managing a P&L statement for a multi-million dollar company. Luckily for me, I had that experience, but the book highly changed my perspective of what was going to be required. And then I wound up shifting my perspective of what I was excited about. Mm -hmm. I was excited that I got to leverage those skills that I already had, right? So it was like another box I got to check off of the qualification for, I feel like there should be some sort of application process for becoming a business owner. (laughs) So I could now check off, you know, the leadership ability. I could check off the financial aspect. I could check off the um, managing a profit and loss statement or knowing how to market a business or I knew how to sell my face off. I could Mm -hmm. check that box off, right? I knew how to hire and train and motivate employees. I knew about standard operating procedures, but the book helped me realize that there was more to owning a business than just baking. Yeah, and I think that what you are (laughs) describing and what we know to be true is that once you accomplish that and and you have to know this because this is so important that the thing that you are good at the reason why you started it you do the least Mm -hmm. right and so you start to look at your daily work as an entrepreneur and 85 percent of the time you're doing the things you have to do so that you can do the things you want to do right which became a huge um, teaching point for us with our students so One thing I like to share with everyone is like I got into it because I loved and enjoyed baking and the art. I really didn't care so much for the baking. I knew that was a step that had to be done, but I really loved the art of Mm. it. So I loved creating. I loved making. I'd always been creative. When I now had bills to pay, a bakery to pay, customers to bring into the bakery, employees to manage, I quickly shifted to falling in love with creating standard operating procedures. Then I quickly fell in love with networking and marketing because I needed to bring people in. No one knew that we were there. Then I quickly fell in love with employee development, Mm -hmm. right? Because I knew that if my employees were not properly trained, it didn't matter how much time and effort I spent outside of the bakery trying to bring them in. If we couldn't close them, it wouldn't matter, right? right? And so then I fell just, in love with sales, <laughs> right? Yeah. What? And, and everything you just list is never part of the dream. Never. No <laughs> never, one says that. Never, you don't say, oh, I want to open up a spa. But, you know, I know within that I'm going to have to, like, you may no. know from like a conscious level yep. if you start really breaking it down. But within your dream, when you're dreaming it, mm-hmm. you just see this beautiful place that you've created out mm-hmm. of thin air. And not knowing that you're in there grinding away at all these different things well, that you didn't even think would be a part of it. Well, this is a huge struggle for a lot of our students yeah. because when we tell them this, they literally want to cry. Yeah, I started a business because I loved baking. Well, sis, let me tell you something. You're going to be baking like 15% of the time, maybe, right? And right. I would highly advise you outsource that position because <laughs> that could be done by anybody. Right. So if you're looking to start a business based on something that you love, This whole entire podcast today is to kind of enlighten you to see that it's usually the things that you don't love, that you will have to eventually fall in love with learning or it will be the detriment of your business. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely possible. Like if if your ultimate goal or your dream is to create something, to build something, to to be an entrepreneur or to maybe even advance in your career somewhere like you are going to have to fall in love with the process in which in which was in which it, what's required for you mm-hmm. whatever i'm trying to say 
it's required that there are certain processes that you have to go through, that you have to endure, that you have to fall in love with, that you have to become obsessed with, that you find this energy to do it every single day Mm -hmm. so that you can reap the fruits and the benefits of achieving that dream, that goal. I think that that is so, so important. And because I don't know of any profession where you spend most of your time like in the thing you love, right? Right, uh, unless it's acting, and I think even that you're probably spending more of your time memorizing your lines mm-hmm. and rehearsing than mm-hmm. you actually are showing performing. up performing. Yeah, absolutely. You're probably being told no more yeah. in more auditions than you are being told 100%, yes. Yeah. So this is the perspective shift we're wanting you to have. Whatever it is that you want to do, there's going to be a requirement of an investment. Right. And it's usually not going to feel good, right? It's usually not going to be the thing you sign up for. And we tell the girls all the time, like, you don't get to reap the benefits of an applause from an audience unless you're willing to endure all of the no's and the rejections in an audition. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same, you guys, in business. Like, you don't get to... Um, turn your nose up to a nine to five and pursue a business unless you're willing to start today and immerse yourself into whatever it is you think you might want to do. Start going to the conferences, start taking the online courses, start finding a mentor, start working in a barbershop, start interning in a bakery, start, if you want to be in the fitness industry, start identifying who the top performing fitness industry experts are. And I'll give you a little hint. The ones that look like they're killing it on Instagram are usually the ones that are not really killing it in profitability. Yeah. So just because you're winning on Instagram and you have this ridiculous following, you could very well still be scraping by with your bank account. Right. And and you'll be it's interesting to find because I think that the more and more we go to different conferences and we expose ourselves to different people and that are outside of the industry that we're in, we find that there are so many little niches of businesses mm-hmm. that actually the place where people make their money. Mm -hmm. So they show up one way on Instagram as this, Mm -hmm. but they actually make their money in something related, but something that's very small that you didn't even think that that was the case, right? And so you may be in fitness, but really what you do is you actually write workout plans for certain people and and you're you're kind of in the back back shadows, right? And so all those different things you have to keep in mind. And the only way you find out the business within the business where the profit is, is you got to immerse yourself. You got to go to the places where other people are and you got to learn what they, how they have monetized what they do, what they're doing. And I think that that's the day today in 2020, what I'm seeing is that you see a lot of things that look like there people, there's money in, mm-hmm. but there's no monetization there. It's right. just exposure. Mm-hmm. And so don't be fooled by the applause, thinking that the applause comes with profitability. It's sometimes the things that you're doing behind the scenes that actually where the money is. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback on that, in when I decided that I wanted to pursue this um, baking business, I immediately signed up for a baking conference, right? Yeah. It was a, it was called ISIS. It's a cake decorating show. You can go, you can take classes. There's thousands of bakers that go. They spend tons of money to go, right? And what I realized is there were people that I was meeting and connecting with and they were like fangirling over, oh my God, do you know who that is? And they were like obsessed with some of these really amazing world-renowned sugar artists. And then when I asked like, oh, do you have a bakery? Do you have, they were like, oh no, I just, I teach classes. You teach classes. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like how do you make money then? Like, right. what's your steady flow of income? And I remember like being the black sheep of the group because I was like, I don't really want to worship her because I'm not even sure how she funds this whole, <laughs> like, how does she do this? Right. So I remember one woman that everyone thought was just so amazing. I had an opportunity to talk to her and I was like, you know, you don't have a bakery. Like, if you don't mind me, like, how do you generate consistent cash flow. And she's like, well, I don't really need to, you know, my husband does well and I'm a stay at home mom. And immediately I was like, is this how this industry works? (laughs) Like literally I was like, I'm, I'm trying to make money. I have a family to support. Like I'm, you know, I'm leaving a six figure corporate career to pursue something that I think could potentially be profitable. And as I was peeling back the layers, I was like, these people are not making any money. And that became one of the reasons why it wasn't important to me 
to network in the baking industry. That's huge. And this is something I need for you if you're listening and you're really into whatever industry you're into, but particularly for bakers, this is why I'm not friends with a lot of bakers. I started networking with friends that I knew that were really killing it in their photography business or their real estate business or whatever other kind of business. Those became my network of go-to friends because I knew that they would give me the perspective of a business owner, Mm -hmm. not a baker. Right, right. And that was huge for me. The other thing is, is if you're looking to start a business, you know, we keep talking about this immersion. What does that mean? Well, we said many times, take the online course, find the mentor, find the people who are doing well in the industry, but really start with the basics. Like Mm -hmm. I remember I was like, I can't be a bakery owner unless I have a pastry degree, right? Like I'm not a pastry chef. So I went and I applied for Le Cordon Bleu as a pastry school. Luckily for me, I was declined. (laughs) Like we didn't have the financial means to pay for culinary school. And we also had made too much money the year before. So we didn't qualify for financial aid. Biggest blessing in disguise at the time. I remember crying, quite frankly, because I felt like, how can I say that I'm going to be a business owner of a bakery? And I don't even, I'm not a trained culinary chef or Mm -hmm. pastry chef or anything. It was the biggest blessing, you guys, because over the next year or so, as the bakery was unfolding and developing, I knew because of my leadership and my management experience, I knew how to vet the proper candidates and how to hire really qualified people and how to be okay saying, I need to know that you know how to do everything that I don't know how to do. I need you to come on and be the expert. You know, I need you to be the one that's innovating and I need you to be the one that's testing and trying and this and that. And I was okay with that. So many of our friends that own businesses are like, well, I'm not going to hire somebody that's better than me because they should have their own business. And that's what I was thinking. Like there's a, there's a large bit of, I think to be successful, to bring your dreams to, to life you have to be vulnerable in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be vulnerable in a way of saying, I'm willing to learn and have humility around different environments that I'm not uh, familiar with, that I don't know anything about, mm-hmm. that I want to suck up all the information possible. Even if you have a background that gives you some type of credibility, it's, you know, and I think that that is what like I run into sometimes. Like I, I feel like I have a background that has really great cred- credibility. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to different events, there's time I have to like really be humble and say, I don't know anything here. Yeah, I know and nothing about know online nothing, marketing. Yeah, I know nothing about online marketing. And so I need to be a sponge, which quite frankly, you can get out of that. Like mm-hmm. you can get to a place where you are kind of the expert. You kind yeah. of have all the information. You're the know-it-all. You are the know-it-all. And so being in a place where you say, okay, I have to bring that back. If I right. really want to bring something to life, yep. I have to go back to being the student, which you should always be. But I think in these situations, you really want to be purposeful around that. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have that vulnerability and when you have that humility, that's when you can really start to learn and suck up. When you talk about immerse, immersing yourself, is, is letting all these things in yep. and not trying to use your old knowledge to think that it, it's going to help you. Just to say, okay, that's in the background. Let mm-hmm. me just take in this new stuff. And I think that that, to me, I think is a big piece, especially if you're an expert in that. So if you're a baker or if you're in the hair business or if you're a photographer and you're trying to make it a full-fledged business, mm-hmm. thinking that your expertise is going to carry you is a mistake. Right. But I will say you've got to, I would say, start with the expertise. Mm-hmm. So if, if in this case, you know, my friend who says that he wants to start a spa, salon, barbershop, all that stuff, you know, um, I would say then you need to go to cosmetology school. You need to become a barber. You need to see what it's like to become an esthetician and do facials and see what it's like to work with people who are really amazing that give facials. Or study the hell out of it. Yeah. You know, and say, I just want to own it. I don't, you know, I want to hire people. Right. Right. Then you got to work on leadership skills then. And so I think that leads me into the next thing, which is the most important thing in being a business owner, I believe, is your mindset. Mm -hmm. And so really starting now while you don't have a lease signed, while you don't have the capital saved, while you don't have anything except the dream, you got to start with your mindset because. I just think you have to work on yourself. So for example, like if you're a freaker outer, we have a lot of freaker outers, right? And you probably freak out at the thought of 
let's just take it back to the bakery example, yeah. right? We were talking to a student yesterday and I was like, what would you do if you dropped or destroyed a five-tier wedding cake, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, she was like, I would literally die. Crumble. I would, I would crum crumble and die. <laughs> and I was like, okay, first of all, you can never say that yeah. again. You're not gonna crumble and die. Right. But if that's your mindset, we have to work on that because that's a problem. Yeah. Let me tell you how many cakes, unfortunately, didn't make it to the delivery, right? Look yeah. at me, still living, still surviving a bad Yelp review, still surviving, you know, an angry bride, figuring out how to make it work. Like, yeah. that's just what you do. And that's what's required. And her humility was there where she was able to take that in. And, she was like, oh, my God. And instantly see that there's other options other than cr cr crumbling. And so mindset shifts are really... Uh, powerful because they can happen like that. Right. They can happen with the right conversation. And she was right so great question. about it. Not Absolutely. even for business. She was just like, I've got to get this under control. Yeah. What is my initial reaction when I think of some adversity or a challenge or something catastrophic? My first reaction is, I'm, I'm not going to survive this. But you know what's that's so powerful? Because so often when people share with me, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, and I want to do this, and I share with them what I know to be true about what's required. Instead of them saying that, like, I got to get this together, mm -hmm. they go, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Right. Oh, I don't, ooh, I don't, ooh, well, I don't know. Well, that's how if I you could. know it's going to be yeah. a dreamer, not a doer. Yeah. Oh, I can't, f I got to get up early. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, you may have to, if you want to start this business, you may have to start getting up at five in the morning, you know? Oh, mm -hmm. oh, I, I love the sleeping. I can't do that. Yeah. Well, you may value your <laughs> comfort more than you value your dream. The dysfunction of comfort. Right. There it is again. And then the other thing about mindset is like, you know, another example is if you feel like you have this disposition, like the world's against you all the time mm -hmm. and you find yourself saying things like, oh, can I just get a break? Yeah. Right. Then you're probably the kind of person that's praying her problems away, not necessarily facing them head on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I can tell you in the business world, you'll be dealing with constant issues, constant uncertainty. Everything from sales. Sales are not always consistent. Right. So you may have a really great, strong, out of the gates, grand opening month. And then guess what? Second, third, and fourth month, you're like, why is no one coming in? Right. Yep. And then you're a victim, right? You may have employees that you thought were really good, but maybe your interviewing skills weren't that great and you weren't able to properly vet the right employees. So then they wind up not working out and you start to say really stupid things like, Oh, this generation, they just don't understand what hard work means. You know, there are no good employees out there. Well, not true, but your mindset is going to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Right? And if you can't get to a place where you're energized and excited about those opportunities to figure them out, to conquer them, then you have to ask yourself, do I have what it takes right now? Mm -hmm. Do I have the right mental capacity to, to take these obstacles? Because they will be there and be energized by them and be excited. And sometimes you got to play a game like we talk about gamifying and you got to look mm -hmm. at this and say, oh, oh, man, this is going to be tough. OK, let's get excited about yeah, it. And let's, let's try pass to figure this it level out. Yeah. like it's Mario Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But yeah, you're going to have issues with marketing, sales, cash flow, wage increases, uh, city permits. You might have a health inspector come in and shut you down. I've mm -hmm. been close to that. Right. And everything in between because business fluctuates right. and it's never consistent. And I got to tell you, like, I print this quote that says 95% of entrepreneurship sucks. Yeah. So you've got to learn how to really lean into the 5% and celebrate those victories. Because if you're the kind of person, again, that likes to pray your problems away and hope for a problem-free life, that's not what entrepreneurship is about. And I think that furthers the point where the dream has to turn into a mission because missions cannot be denied. Missions endure missions are are front and center dreams fade right you mm -hmm. have a dream and when it gets hard it kind of fades you forget oh i used to want to do that but when you turn it into a mission then you are hell bent on a, it has to happen mm -hmm. i've got to do this and the only way i think that you can you can be successful at anything that takes a huge risk is it has to become a mission that you're under. It's an undeniable thing for you. Like you can't live without achieving this. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm starting to learn that mentality. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of that uh, people would call that the mamba mentality mm -hmm. where you just say, I will not be denied. Mm -hmm. And when I think when you practice that and you start to really focus on that, I think that 
things really start to turn around and you start to really make dreams realities. Yeah, they did a special on Kobe last night and he was saying, they said, what is the where's the motivation come from? And he basically just said me. Mm -hmm. He didn't say any person. He didn't right. say, he said, they, the interviewer said, how does a, a coach motivate you? And he said, really, it just comes from me. And they said, well, what is it in you? And he said, well, when I was younger, I watched Magic Johnson achieve greatness. I wanted that. Right. When I was younger, I watched Michael Jordan achieve amazing things. I wanted that. I still want that today. So that is what you're talking about, the mama mentality and the mission, right? Yeah. For me, I knew that at that moment, I needed to start a business because I wasn't being called back for anything because this entire company that we worked for was also... Um, all these other employees were displaced and jobs were scarce and it was in the time of a, a recession and, you know, unemployment was at an all time high. And I just felt like there were no opportunities. So yeah. for me, the mission was just create something from nothing right now that you think you love. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I just kind of stayed true to that. Like make yourself love whatever season you're in right now. And yeah. I, I, I hope everybody, I hope everyone caught that. Like that is huge. Like what you know just said, and, and so many of you go, I don't know what I want to do. I, I I'm not really sure, and all that. And she said, I just let me. I think I like this. Yeah. Let me just go all in mm -hmm. on this and see what it does. If I think if more people did that, if they just went all in, I said, I think I like this. I'm just gonna go all yeah. in. They would find so much clarity. They would find mm -hmm. so much about. The, they would reveal themselves to themselves in that just by simply doing that yeah. and going with. I think I like this. And I think that uh, you would agree. Most of our students look at me today and they say like, "Well, I don't have that confidence, girl. I didn't have it either." Right? right. But what I have learned going all in and betting on myself and just doing whatever it took to make it work was that you're never going to really be faced with failure if you go all in and you learn everything there is to know. So that's why it was easy for me to start the meal prep business. Right. That's why it was easy for us to get into fitness. Right. Because I knew that at the end of the day, this is just something I'm interested in right now. Right. And this would be fun to learn everything about, be the expert. And if I don't like it, I can always get out. Right. 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 And so the meal prep business became something I was really excited and passionate to share um, healthy recipes and a healthy way of living. And then when it showed me that it was something else, I was like quickly able to see, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't want to do this. And I didn't have any attachments to, well, this is my baby and mm. people are depending on me. Mm. And, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of customers and people will be disappointed. No, I don't want to do this. <laughs> well, someone this was telling doesn't me make me happy anymore, yeah. which leads me to if you missed the last episode, you know, my announcement of I am selling the bakery. That's going to come as a shock to a lot of people. But I can tell you I'm happier than I've ever been, not because I'm like good riddance. I'm right. done with this business, but I finished it. Yeah. That season is over. I did everything I was supposed to do in that business. I learned about the marketing. I learned about the leadership. I learned about community outreach. I learned how to generate millions of dollars with baked goods. I learned how to factor in profitability, all of those things, right? And now I can say without any certainty or without any doubt, that that chapter is done. Yeah. I and I huge. can tell you again that whatever we're working on right now is probably not going to be the thing that I'm doing when I'm 50 or 60. Mm -hmm. And that is okay. Absolutely. So back to my friend, you know, if you do want to start a business and you do want it to be in the spa slash cosmetology industry, pursue that. Pursue that if that's something that you love right now, but also ask yourself why. Maybe you're doing it because you have a son and you want to be able to leave a legacy or show him how to build something or just have the, the pride in being an entrepreneur, right? You own a business that you created that yeah. you built. I'm all for that. But be okay with realizing that it's okay to start and pursue and master something and then say, you know what? This isn't really generating the type of revenue that I want to live the lifestyle that I want to live. So I'm going to move on now because now I've got all these stepping stones right. and building blocks for starting a business. And now I've got experience under my belt and some confidence. Now I'm going to go in a different direction. Yeah. And, and I think 
you you kind of said it really quickly. Master it. You got to go all in. Right. You can't half ass it. You can't right. say, oh, I want to tiptoe around this. I've been thinking about doing this and just kind of, you know, moseying it around, going on, Googling certain things from time to time. They'll go mm-hmm. all in. And I'm telling you, what Janelle just said is so important. You're going to gather so many tools, so many skills, so many attributes, so many competencies that when you go to the next thing because that thing wasn't enough or it led you to something else, you're going to take all those tools with you. Yep. Right. And then when you do, you're going to speed up your ability to, to scale something really quickly because of what you've gone through and what you were able to accomplish in the thing that you thought you wanted to do before. Right. And this is one thing I would say it was 2015, maybe. This was when we started looking into um, like teaching and mentoring because yeah. I was getting inundated with people that were asking like, hey, can you help me? How did you start your business? Blah, blah, blah. I started reading books and one of the books, uh, one of the quotes, it was from Darren Hardy. And I remember reading this and crying. And he said, you will be directly compensated in proportion to the problem that your business solves. So, for example, if you want to get into, um, you know, the plumbing industry and you want to be a, a person who has a small mom and pop plumbing business, then you're going to be compensated directly in proportion to the problem that you solve. So if the problem you're solving is backed up toilets then you're going to you got to be really good at that but know that there's a cap to earning based mm-hmm. on the problem that you're solving right yeah. and, and conversely to- if you want to be a plumber but you want to be in commercial plumbing and you want to start securing deals with clients who are building out hotels who need plumbing for 592 rooms in a new construction site you will be compensated as a plumber who owns a commercial business right. should be compensated. Does that make sense? It made 100%. So for me at the time, I was like, wait a second, I'm trying to save college money and I'm trying to take our business or our family to the next level financially. I am only going to be compensated in direct proportion to the problem that my business is solving. Mm-hmm. And so unless I create a bigger problem for my local community members, the problem of solving, you know, what should I eat for dessert? That's not a very big problem. <laughs> so I got to create some bigger problems. Well, yeah. That was a huge shift for me in Absolutely. 2015. So going back to when I say it's okay to go all in on something and then realize that at that season in your life, all you can do is just think, you know, the previous season for all the lessons and learnings and experience and confidence. And then you confidently pivot and you go to the next thing. Yeah. So I think that's really important because some people that we're coaching right now, like Andrea Fenton, she's been in the baking industry for 12 years. She's getting ready to pivot. I can Mm -hmm. feel it. She wants to do something different. And that's good, but you also need to respect the fact that everything for the last 12 years built that confidence, built that experience. Now you get to happily take that into the next season. Absolutely. Right? And you get to solve a bigger problem or you get to create a bigger problem with some type of innovation. If you take your plumber example and you say, I'm going to create a a system in which you use half the water that a normal 90 floor building would use or whatever the the, Mm -hmm. the scale is. And this is going to change the industry. You've just created a wonderful problem that people want to now take advantage of, similar to the iPhone. Like, I didn't know that I wanted to be able to have everything in in Mm -hmm. front of me at one time. That created a problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that said, I think that one of the key things is to keep in mind that if you have these dreams and you want to take something from nothing, you've got to create a mission. You've got to make sure that you have like very specific plans in which you do that. You immerse yourself into it. And you know that there are going to be things that you're going to have to fall in love with as part of the process that you may not be anticipating, but you have to be open and willing to take on. Yep. And then you also have to be very vulnerable in making sure that you're willing to learn things that may make you uncomfortable, that may you may learn from people that you never thought you would learn from right. because they have the answers that you need. Don't have a chip on your shoulder. I'll tell you, if I did, then I wouldn't have adhered to half of the business recommendations that were given to me. I wouldn't have read the books when someone was doubting me. I wouldn't have learned all of the lessons when I saw someone's apprehension for me starting a business, right? 
And I guess if we summed all this up, what's the, you know, the title of this would be don't quit your damn day job. <laughs> like just don't quit. Right. So when someone tells you quit your job and start a business, I'll tell you there's a lot more to it. And I want to be encouraging because I do think that people have these gifts and talents and treasures that should be shared with the world. I also want to give you a very real perspective of what it's going to cost you to invest in that dream. And I want to encourage you to pursue that dream, but also do it with an open mind, knowing that just because you say that you want something, it's not going to be easy. That's not how God works. That's not how the universe works. You have to go through the challenges in order to be um, able to build the resilience to get through the times that are not so great. So I hope this episode served you. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you got any great nuggets from this, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. That helps us. Because I'm telling you, we go through all of those reviews. We see what you guys like, what sticks with you, what resonates with you, and it helps us develop better content. So please don't listen to this podcast passively. I know you probably are. Maybe you've got your earbuds on. Maybe you are commuting. But when you get a moment, please take the time to let us know what you liked, what you took from this. And uh, we can't wait to see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through